What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Quick Hits. Today is Wednesday, April 22nd. I am in upstate New York. Of course, everything going on in the world, I decided to move myself uh, out of Nashville while it was closed down, take me and the dog back up to upstate New York where I grew up, spend some time with the family, and then once everything gets open back up, I'll, of course, uh, move on back down to Tennessee. But we're here just a day before the NFL draft. Um, so we're going to talk uh, a lot about the draft coming up, some of the biggest storylines. This also coincides with a three-round mock draft that can be available on my website, which for those who may not um, have seen, uh, just officially published updated my website to put all my work there so you can all see it writing for different places if you put some stuff on one site some stuff on the other i just wanted one place where everything could be stored so maybe one day we're taking a look back at all the work potentially done there will be a long list there so uh, three round mock draft without trades i just go through the top of what is that 106 picks um, of how I think the mock will play, or how the draft will play out without trades. Now, obviously, there are going to be plenty of trades, and we'll get to that later, um, but um, wanted to put that out there without, and then I believe, if all things go to plan, on Thursday, draft day, I'll put out a mock draft that does include trades. Um, so, yeah, April 22nd, one day before the draft, Apologize uh, for the background noise. If you hear any small footsteps, um, Bush is just walking around the entire place. Um, I was hoping he would still be sleepy, but uh, he seems to be pretty awake. Before we get to all the draft talk, though, big news of the day, week, last 24 hours. Rob Gronkowski heading to Tampa Bay to team up with Tom Brady and a seventh round pick in this upcoming draft, putting them to 12 total picks. Of course, that means, okay, maybe they can trade up, get an earlier second round, maybe add a third round pick with all of those uh, day three ones if they so wish. So the Patriots get a little draft capital back. Tampa Bay says, okay, we're going to get two years max of Rob, Ron Rob Gronkowski. If he says he's only going to play with Tom, I wouldn't expect his career to continue any past what Tom Brady gives um, with the Buccaneers. And I, I really do believe that's two years at most. The Super Bowl this year being played in Tampa. So obviously this is a big one to maybe try and be that first team to win a Super Bowl, appear in a Super Bowl um, in their home stadium. So big chance there for the Buccaneers this year. Um Taking a look at just the, the impact, schematically, uh, Bruce Arians ran a ton of 12 personnel last year, of course, with O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. Have to think one of those two um, is, is on the move this year, or maybe even in the coming days with the NFL draft. Uh, Brait had solid you know, tight end two production, um, is a consistent guy, O.J. Howard. Has a ton of upside, but just hasn't hit it yet, slowly getting into stride. Um, but I think he's still got some time left to figure things out. One of those two probably on the move because there's no need to have all three um, personally. And if you think the upside with Howard is there, maybe you say Brates, the more trade-likely candidate. Um, but I do think that they've got a crowded tight end room. So anyways, 
Back to what I was saying, Bruce Arians runs a lot of 12 personnel. He throws early on first down, so um, you assume you've got the Gronk slash, you know, Brait or Howard set with um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin on the outside. Ronald Jones currently as the running back. I would try to think Tampa goes running back in the second or third round. A couple of guys there that I think personally would be an upgrade over Jones. Um, and, and, man, that's an electric offense. Gronk and Brady have the connection. Mike Evans is one of the top talented receivers in the league. Chris Godwin had an amazing season under Bruce Arians in that first year. And they are gonna, they're going to throw the ball, man. They're going to have a great offensive system. Bruce Arians knows exactly what he's looking for in this offensive scheme, and he's got a ton of talent on it. Now, things to consider. Tom Brady is old. He's going to try and do something this season that hasn't been done before by many good quarterbacks is playing well beyond the age of 40, playing at a high level so late into his career. Other things to consider, Rob Gronkowski, 31 years old, lost a lot of weight after a bunch of injuries, after retirement, lost a lot of weight, did WWE. Now, the rumors say that he has been bulking up to be ready. There was also a report that Bruce Arians kind of doesn't mind it. They're thinking this tweener role, maybe slot, maybe an oversized slot guy. But you have to consider injuries. You know, Gronk was never fully healthy uh, for an extended period of time in his NFL career. So can we say that this is going to be exciting as hell to watch? Yes, I, I would love to see that. Uh, but we do have to, you know, say there's a little caution there. Where we're not sure what we're going to get out of Brady this late in his career. We don't know what Rob Gronkowski is going to be able to provide. Now, he's got months to get ready to get back into football shape. And odds are, with all the training he was doing and the WrestleMania stuff, he was in decent shape at the very least. So both of those guys are going to get ready. You know, I mean, for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, this opens up a lot for them. Um, and like I said, I really do think that they're going to target a running back early. So, uh, you know, I, I think that offense has a chance to get even scarier uh, over the next few days. So Tampa Bay, you take a look what what their ceiling is really for this year with Rob and Tom and this amazing offense. Pretty solid offensive line. Need a right tackle desperately. The front seven is filthy. They still need help in the secondary. So you got to consider a running back right tackle and corner early in the draft if you're Tampa. And I think you can be right up there with New Orleans to win the division. I don't know if you can necessarily win it from them. New Orleans has a great team. Sean Payton's offense is great. I wouldn't be worried about Atlanta or Carolina. I think you can at the very least maybe sneak in there as the wild card, if not win the division. You know, if it, everything hits its ceiling, Gronk comes back and he's still this freak of nature tight end. If Tom Brady turns back time yet again for, what, the fifth or sixth year in a row, they certainly can be able to turn things around and, and maybe make that way to the Super Bowl. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited to watch it. I'm not excited to think, okay, this is, we already know who's going to, you know, be representing the Super Bowl in the NFC. It's a crowded group. You've got the 49ers. You've got the Saints. You've got Green Bay, you've got Minnesota, you've got teams on the come up like Arizona. Seattle, of course, is always going to be there. Can the Rams rebound as they're trying to deal with all their cap situations? It's no cakewalk. The Eagles, another team that are that's expected to be much better. Can can Dallas come back stronger than they did last season? 
The NFC is crowded. The one thing that I always love is what did Tampa really do to deserve this? We're not going to spend much more time here. We're going to go to the drafts. I'm going to give myself a minute and a half more. But how did Tampa, since they came into the NFL, they have the worst win percentage of any franchise in the NFL. And, and they just get lucky. What, what did they do right? They had talented weapons. A seasoned head coach that has success with any quarterback he works with. And they had the ability to move on from their, their you know, uh, quarterback on his first contract. That's it. It's not like they're this, you know, oh, we're just a team that's a quarterback away from being Super Bowl contenders. They just, they've been lousy. The worst win percentage since coming on board into the NFL. And here they are in 2020 and they bring in Tom Brady, which brings them Rob Gronkowski which brings them all of this national attention. I mean, they weren't getting any of this. The most attention they got was that Jameis threw 30 interceptions last season. I'm not hating on how it happened. It's just funny the way the NFL works. Just because the the spot was open, the weapons were good, the weather was nice, that was enough to get all these wheels in motion. So um, I, I love that we're getting Gronk back in the NFL. Love that he's going back with Tom Brady. Do I think that we can just say, okay, they're going to make it to the Super Bowl or even the NFC title game? No. I think, like you said, like I was saying, still need help on the back end of that defense. And you're not 100% certain that things are going to work with Gronk, Brady, or both of them. So at the end of the day, I like what they're doing. This is the right step forward for them. It's been a crazy offseason if you're a Buccaneers fan. Something that I don't think you could ever believe if you were told five years ago that this was going to happen. But here we are, and, and it's going to be fun. I'm excited to watch them play against Breeze and Sean Payton twice a year. Their schedule over it. And then if you know you talk extended into 2021, where they're, where they're going to be able to play the AFC East again, and they're going to play you know, the Patriots. It's just it's going to be fun. I'm excited. So crazy news that came out. Um, yesterday, as we're coming out to you on the 22nd, uh, but that is not why we are here. We are here because the 2020 NFL Draft is almost upon us. The virtual NFL Draft reports are that uh, the trial version on Monday did not go smooth, to say the least. The Bengals already had some glitch-type problems with the first overall pick, so... You know, whether it's it's downright funny or or everything goes smooth, it is going to be um, a draft that I don't think we'll, we'll forget anytime soon between all of the virtual pro days um, and, and all the interviews to everybody getting their home set up to draft from home. I've seen GMs with seven screens in front of them and four telephones. It is going to be um, madness. From Thursday to Saturday, and, and I can't wait for it. But um, like I said, we're going to go through first my top 10 picks that I have in this mock draft that is dropping uh, along with this podcast. And then we're going to go to into, you know, from those picks, we're going to talk about some of the bigger scenarios. So uh, one and two, it's been the same since what the college football season ended, since the NFL regular season ended. The Bengals are picking Joe Burrow and the 
Um, Washington Redskins are taking Chase Young out of Ohio State. Those are just the, the easiest two slam dunk picks. Everybody already knows it's going there. Um, you know, even even to the point where Joe Burrow put out a video on his social media the other day um, offering out tickets to Bengals games to, to Cincinnati locals who are still working uh, during these times. So even, you know, Burrow putting that video out, it's like, oh, okay, so he already knows the Bengals already know. The world already knows. He's he's going to be a Cincinnati Bengal. Um, Chase Young. He's he's the most talented pass rusher to come out of in the last what decade. It's an important position. It's not the Redskins' number one need. I still think they need help in the secondary. Um, they could you know beef up their tackles. They certainly need a wide receiver. But, uh, you know, when it's, when it's a prospect that is this can't miss and is um, the best in the decade, it doesn't matter what position of need it's at. It's an important position for the defense. You know, putting pressure on the quarterback matters in, in 2020. That's how you win uh, games defensively is, is stopping the quarterback with a good pass rush. And even though they already have a good one, if you can add the best prospect to come at that position in the last eight to ten years, you do it in a heartbeat. So Washington doesn't blink. They take Chase Young. They have a filthy, not just filthy, but a young and filthy defensive line. Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Chase Young. I mean, the guys on that D-liner, if they don't have one of the best front sevens in the league next year, it's going to be downright uh, you know, disrespectful. So those two picks are already set. Now, one of the big storylines here is you go picks three, four, five, six. This is where the draft either goes the way everybody has thought or batshit crazy. Three and four, you start off, you got the Lions, and then you got the Giants at four. Both of these teams have uh, tried to make it known as, as easy as possible that they would like to trade back. The Lions... Um, have certainly made their pick available. The Giants have gone as far to FaceTiming uh, Justin Herbert to give the impression that they're actually thinking about taking Herbert and moving on from uh, from Daniel Jones, which, hey, newsflash isn't going to happen. It's just bait to try and get some offers uh, to heat up. So you go those two picks alone. If, if Detroit trades out, if a team loves Jeff Okuda, or if a team thinks that they need to jump Miami or Los Angeles to draft Tua or Herbert, I, but either of those uh, of those trades are, are going to be crazy. Uh, for the mock draft, mock draft sake, I didn't do any trades. So the picks that I have, I still have Detroit going with Jeff Okuda. Now, is there a situation where they trade back to eight and, and say, or, or, you know, trade back wherever and take one of the top two defensive tackles if they wanted, uh, you know, Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown from Auburn? Totally possible. Do they trade back because they love Isaiah Simmons but don't love taking him, you know, kind of a tweener guy, even though my personal opinion on Simmons, he's a linebacker, he plays best close to the line of scrimmage. They could say, okay, it's a little too rich to take him at three if we can trade back to the nine to 14 range. We could take him there. Totally possible. Could they say they still want help on the offensive line? Sure. Uh, but for right now, I think, you know, you got to take Jeff Okuda uh, if you're staying at three for the Lions. Trade away Darius Slay. 
Um, you need help on the back end. You've added pieces this offseason in the front seven, so you don't really necessarily need to address that first. Offensive line makes sense, sure, um, but I think at the end of the day, Okuda stands out uh, higher than others um, in terms of, of potential um, and there's been a lot of late buzz about the second cornerback in this draft class that I'll get to later in this top 10 uh, that we're going through. But that's where I have Detroit going uh, with if they stay with this third pick. Now the Giants, like I said, I think there's a scenario where they definitely trade back. If they view this tackle class, and, and I know there could be some speculation that maybe they go cornerback. I don't think so. They drafted cornerbacks pretty early on last year. Probably don't want to keep investing on the same position in the first round if you're up that high. So I don't say that maybe they take Okuda if someone trades up to draft a quarterback at three. I don't think they take Isaiah Simmons, even though I think the fit would be amazing. Dave Gettleman just is that is that traditional football guy, and he's going to want to win in the trenches. And so to me, he takes whatever of the offensive tackles he prefers the most. Now me, that's Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. I think he has the highest floor. I think he's got a lot of great potential. I think ideally you put him at right tackle his rookie season, then you kick Nate Solder to the curb and put him at left tackle in 2021. Now, if Gettleman says, okay, I don't think the drop-off between Wirfs and the other three top tackles, and that's Jedrick Wills, uh, Mackay Becton and um, oh shit, drawing a complete blank. Who am I forgetting? I'll have to pull it up. My apologies for all this dead time. Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. Jeez, my bad. If they think that the drop off isn't too heavy from from uh, Werfs down through those other three, could they say, okay, we'll trade back? into that 8 to 12 range, and we'll take the third highest tackle plus getting some extra draft capital. Totally possible. If I was to say most likely, I think, you know, between Detroit and the Giants, I think it's more likely that the Giants trade back just because, to me personally, Okuda is cornerback one. I know um, I know that C.J. Henderson has been getting a lot of late buzz, and, and he's that number two. And I think he has a lot of potential as well. I think Okuda is like the cornerback. Now, these tackles, you could convince me otherwise. Like I said, I like Werfs more than the others, but it is close. So if you say, okay, I can get my third favorite tackle at pick 10 and get some extra picks in there as well, too, um, I think that is that is a likely scenario. So those two picks are really where the draft can get weird. And then, of course, five and six is where it all goes just madness. Now, to me, and I've said this from the start, that I prefer Justin Herbert over to a tongue of Iloa. Um, I think even aside from the injuries, I like the talent of Herbert better. I like his stature. And if you've listened to me for the last few years, whether it was through Goal to Go or was it through the Blake Pays podcast, or if it's through quick hits. You guys know my prototypical quarterback that I favor more is the bigger stature, mobile with a strong arm. That's that's my quarterback. That's why Patrick Mahomes was my number one in 2017. Why Josh Allen was my number one in 2018. 2019, I gave the big arm to Kyler. He was my number one, but I was a big Drew Locke guy. And look, he came along at the end of the regular season as well too. 
those are my type of guys. And so I just prefer Herbert. Um, and then when you add in the injury concerns with Tua, I, I take it even more. And I think Miami's the same way. They've done more work on him than any other team since the beginning of the college football season. Tua's uh, interview with Miami was weird, and he left with the impression that he wasn't going to be a Dolphin. Unless all of this is just a smokescreen, and they still are going to take Tua, I just don't think that's likely. So I've got the Dolphins taking Justin Herbert. And I've got him becoming the next face of the franchise in Miami, a team that I love, a coach that I love in Brian Flores. Think Sky is the limit uh, if you're if you're looking the next five to ten years. If you're looking for a replacement in, in the AFC East, if if uh, New England starts to dip down, if Belichick ever decides to hang it up, I love Buffalo and I love Josh Allen, but I think what Miami has here and and the ability to capitalize on all these picks that they have, um, I think it's a great it's a great start for Miami, and it, and it all goes through Justin Herbert. I think he's going to do tremendous down there. So that pick to me is set. Now, if they go Tua, changes things a lot. Where does Herbert go? What help do you need to add for Tua in these next two picks for Miami? Is it more important to add two offensive linemen? Do you need to get him a wide receiver more than you need to get Herbert? Do you need a running back in there in those first round picks? Um, so it changes a lot if they go that direction. There is also a chance, a slim one, I would take it. Maybe, they, maybe they're like, okay, so we're picking at 18. We're picking at 26. What if we see if, if Jordan Love can fall to us or something like that? Let's take the top tackle available. Now let's just wait around to 18. Maybe we trade up to 15 to take him. Maybe we just wait and we take Jordan Love or maybe another quarterback that falls. But without trades... I've got the Dolphins uh, taking Herbert, and and like I said, I think it's I think it's gonna be great. And then pick seven, where 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 the madness starts, and where if you've taken a look at my mock track, if you're following along, and maybe you've jumped a little bit ahead with it, this is where shit got crazy for me. This entire time, I thought Tua makes a lot of sense to Los Angeles. I think that you know. For a team that is trying to establish itself in a major market with another team already there that's made it to the Super Bowl, you know, you need a big name. You know, they wanted Tom Brady. They weren't able to get him. Tua Tungavailoa is that big name. But I don't have them taking him in this mock draft. Anthony Lynn has an interesting track record. Former running back, spent some time in Buffalo, made his way over to the head coaching gig with the Chargers. Who was he working with there in Buffalo? Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor had a tremendous season around with Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn then takes a head coaching job where the franchise has had this quarterback that doesn't fit you know, kind of his background, you know, he was worked with the mobile quarterbacks before. Phillip is more of that traditional gunslinger, stay in the pocket, take hits, not really moving or taking off on the run. And he's like, okay, I've got this franchise guy toward the end of his career. Let's just let it play out. Let's let him walk when he decides to walk. Probably stays a little bit longer than Anthony Lynn might have been thinking. So then when this past offseason comes, he decides, okay, we're going to let Philip walk. 
He can head to Indianapolis, finish out his career there if he wishes. During that time, he brings over Tyrod Taylor, who's just waiting in the wings, waiting for his turn. And I really do believe, as crazy as it might sound, that he wants to give it a go with Tyrod. This was his guy in Buffalo. You know, that the time that they worked with together elevated him to this head coaching gig. He then brings him over, paying him some of the top money for backup quarterbacks, just telling him, wait for your turn, wait for your turn. When you look at this Chargers roster, it is a talented team. You've got one of the best front fours. You've got talented safety play. You've got a not-so-great offensive line, but weapons on offense. Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. There's a ton of weapons on this team. Do they think, okay, let's take a look at the roster. Defensively, what could we do with this sixth pick? We could take Isaiah Simmons. First off, Isaiah Simmons' stock might be falling. People are saying he might fall out of the top 10. Freak athlete. Imagine him on that defense. How a freaky athletic Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, and Isaiah Simmons is. That is frightening. Then you look at the offensive side of things. Okay, Philip didn't have a lot of protection. Offensive line didn't open up a ton of holes for Melvin Gordon when he came back. Austin Eckler had to do everything you know, outside of the tackles. What if we add one of the top tackles to this class? Get some protection for our guy. I really think, as we're sitting here, like I said, a day before the draft starts, that the Tua stock is just continuing to fall. That's why I've got the Chargers taking Mekai Becton. Or sorry, Mekai Becton. Tackle out of Louisville. I really think that they're going to give it a try with this this new look on offense around a quarterback that fits what Anthony Lynn has been looking for, what Phillip Rivers wasn't really uh, capable of doing. And I think at the very least, they try to make it work with him. Instead of bringing in Tua with this pick, missing out on a top defensive player or a top tackle, whichever way they choose to go. I mean, two years ago, this team was in the playoffs. Sure, they got blown out, but they were in the playoffs. Then last year happens, the offensive line is bad, Phillip takes a step back, injuries on the defense, he lost Derwin James for about a month, you know, Melvin Gordon holds out, a lot of weird things happen to this team, and then they end up with the sixth overall pick. And they say, okay, we can address some really big issues defensively in the middle of that defense, offensively on the, on the line, or we can take a quarterback with a bunch of injury concerns, and we're not 100% sure what we're getting out of him. I have Tua falling, and this is without trades. When I put out my mock draft with trades, once Tua falls back past this sixth pick, I think eventually a team trades up into the 8 to 14 range to take Tua. I don't think he gets past that, but I just I don't see him going to the Los Angeles Chargers. I really don't think they're, they're willing to take a step back to let this quarterback develop. This is a roster that I think is ready, and they say, okay, we can try and compete with the Chiefs to try to win this division. So 
like I said, the madness of this draft is between picks three and six. And the way that I've got it, uh, of course, with Tua falling out of those four picks, uh, the madness ensues. But I really just sitting here, I just I feel like we're in for one of those draft stories where we just keep watching Tua. There's video going back to him wherever he's with, with his family, just hanging out, just, you know, anxiously waiting, kind of like an Aaron Rodgers situation where it's like, okay, this guy last year was the number one overall pick, the projected number one overall pick, and now he just keeps falling and teams keep passing. How bad are the medicals? We're we really sure he was that good or a product of Alabama. All of this stuff is going to start swirling. So a weird first six picks. Uh, just to go over again, one and two, easy, Joe Burrow, Chase Young. Number three, Jeff Okuda, if the Lions stand pat. If the Giants do as well, I think they take the top tackle. To me, that's Tristan Wirfs. Five, Justin Herbert. I think the Dolphins have been tied to him all season. And then six, I've got Mekai Becton tackle out of Louisville instead of Tua Tunga Vailoa. So let's finish up these top ten. I'll talk to you about some other draft um, kind of highlights to, to that we need to watch for. So on to number seven, the Carolina Panthers. I didn't have this originally, but just going over my head uh, in the last couple of hours, I guess even leading up to preparing for this podcast, I, I've switched the pick. There's just one that stands out, and it's a little too obvious for me. Uh, originally, I'll tell you, I had Derek Brown, defensive tackle out of Auburn, going number seven to the Panthers. I think a big plug up front in the trenches. Um, to me, my top overall defensive tackle. But, man, are they really going to let a Carolina kid, a freak of nature, a guy that can do everything on the defensive side of the ball, slip past them? You know, the, the Panthers have actually never, they've brought in some undrafted guys. They've never drafted a guy from Clemson University. And I think they've got the chance to do that here. So at number seven, I've got Isaiah Simmons linebacker going to the Carolina Panthers. I think you take a look at where this franchise has gone in the last year. You get a new owner in there. Dave Tepper wants this highly analytical approach. You bring in someone from the college ranks from the Big 12. I think you, you, you think speed on this team. I think you think freak athletes on this team. They've made additions to the offense. They've brought in Robbie Anderson. They've brought in Teddy Bridgewater to be the quarterback for how long? Who knows? My plan with the Panthers uh, when they made this hire, and I said this on a podcast a couple months back, was to just suck next year and then try and get Trevor Lawrence. Look, they could be just as bad. Their division is tough. They've still got a lot of holes, uh, but um, you know maybe that's not their initial approach in this you know new regime. But I think you think freaky fast, athletic. New age, and Isaiah Simmons is all that. Don't worry about, okay, is he a tweener? Can he only do a little bit at each position, or can he be really good at one? He can be really good at one, and it's linebacker. You play outside linebacker. He's good toward the line of scrimmage. He's a hard-hitting guy. I think that, you know, I was overthinking this pick at first when I was going Derek Brown. I was saying, you know, okay, build in the trenches, get that front seven uh, strong in the defensive front. Win in the trenches, build in the trenches. That's what they're going to want. But this is a new age. This is a new look that they're trying to develop here. Something that 
you know, you really started to see in Baltimore last year where it's this unified identity from, from ownership all the way down through the roster. And I think they're going to try to build themselves on speed. They've already got some guys there, like I said, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. Um, and, and then, you know, taking in with the with the loss of a guy like Luke Keekley, you know, the cornerstone of that defense for the last, you know, what, six, seven years is now gone. Let's replace him in there with a badass right from our backyard. Never drafted a Clemson player. Here he is sitting at pick seven. Are you really going to let him slip past? You know, I was listening into too much of the buzz that, you know, Simmons might not go top 10. I think if you're sitting here with the seventh pick, you're the Panthers, you've got this new age, new analytics, you can't pass up on a freak talent like that. So Isaiah Simmons, number seven to the Carolina Panthers. Moving on, number eight, the Arizona Cardinals. The answer is easy. It may not have been so easy if they hadn't traded for DeAndre Hopkins, you know, a couple weeks back, but you got to take whatever the top tackle is available. Since I already have Mekhi Becton and Tristan Wirfs gone, to me, that is Jedrick Willis, tackle out of Alabama. Um, I think you put him at right tackle right away, and he's he's just one of those guys that will continue uh, to grow and help protect Kyler Murray. If you watched him run around for his life last season, it was disappointing. You don't want this guy to end up getting hurt. He's already not the biggest guy around. Get him some protection. I know for a fact that Kyler has been pushing and pushing and pushing the front office to take his guy, C.D. Lamb, his former teammate at Oklahoma. But it just doesn't make sense when you've got DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella. You have so much wide receiving talent on this team and really no offensive line talent. So to me, the, the pick is easy. Um, I, I wouldn't blink twice. On to number nine, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I would have gone somewhere else maybe about a month ago, but given all the recent buzz surrounding it, um, I've got the, the Jaguars taking C.J. Henderson cornerback out of Florida. I saw a lot of people putting a guy like Derek Brown here or or even um, putting Javon Kinlaw here because, oh, they just traded away Calais Campbell. But, hey, they drafted Taven Bryan two years ago. And, oh, did they just lose Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye? Yeah, I think they have a pretty big need at corner. So uh, one of the hottest names leading up to the draft, people saying this guy is going top 10, the reports are Atlanta wants to trade into the top 10 to take this guy. I think that the Jaguars, if he's available at 9, kind of in a way that, you know, um, Isaiah Simmons was a was a Clemson guy in the Carolinas. You get a cornerback from Florida. You get that new cornerback one after losing what I had as the best corner duo over the last five years or however long they were together. Um I think you go in there and replace him right now. Now, Jacksonville, you think of other ways they could go. They drafted in the trenches with both of their top picks last year, so you think they go a little bit back. Linebacker class, if they wanted to, I would wait until that 20th pick, even though I think they wait till you know round two or three. Um, wide receiver is interesting here, but I like Chark. I like D.D. Westbrook. I think there's a a pretty good wide receiver available at 20. And if you read down uh, to it, I've got them taking eventually Justin Jefferson uh, from LSU. So with all that said, uh, corner to me, 
is the most important position to uh, capitalize on with this ninth pick. So Jaguars take C.J. Henderson, one of the hottest names in the draft, cornerback from Florida. And then to wrap up the top 10, the Cleveland Browns, um, this is a good tradeback scenario for them. I think if a team like the Denver Broncos wants to trade up to get their top pick at wide receiver, very possible. Uh, like I said, if Tua falls like this, Cleveland could get a pretty nice haul if they wanted to trade back a little bit for a team that is potentially trying to um, make them their next. Would would the Raiders consider offering up? You know, you got to take a look at the draft pick um, value chart to see what it's worth. But with two first round picks, would the Raiders try and jump up to to select Tua? You know. John Gruden could be a guy I definitely see would want a big uh, quarterback room. Maybe if he's not a big fan of Carr, I know they signed Mariota. Uh, he can't be too big of a Mariota fan. Maybe they decide to take a chance on Tua uh, and jump up to that 10 spot. Most likely this is a trade-back scenario. But standing here, I think the Browns, it's pretty clear um, what their biggest need is. Much like the Arizona Cardinals, they need to keep Baker Mayfield upright. He was... A totally different man uh, this past season behind worse offensive line play uh, than in his rookie season. And like I said, to me, this is a top four in a tackle class, and the fourth one is still available. So Andrew Thomas, tackle from Georgia, will slide right in here and be the pick uh, to round out the top ten. I think you take a look. Linebackers needs help, but just like I said before, I think you can get good value on that later in the second round. Safety, not a deep safety class. I think, you know, not a strong one either. So I wouldn't take a safety this high at all. They don't need receivers. They don't need running backs. They don't need quarterback. Uh, interior defensive pressure, not really. So offensive line seems to be the clear pick. So Brown's taking Andrew Thomas, my best available tackle out of Georgia. So that top 10, Joe Burrow to the Bengals, Chase Young to the Redskins, Jeff Okuda to the Lions, Tristan Wirfs to the Giants, Justin Herbert to the Dolphins, Mekhi Becton to the Chargers, Isaiah Simmons to the Panthers, Jedrick Wells to Alabama, C.J. Henderson to Florida, and Andrew Thomas to Georgia. Um, I, you know, Just to highlight a few things uh, before we finish this up, just going through, and, and like I said, please uh, do check out that three-round mock available on blakepace.net. It should be the featured article right at the front. Ignore the rest of the website. It is not fully finished yet. There might be some, some weird things in there. It's got old stuff from my time with the breeze, some Stampede Blue stuff. So ignore that. Just follow this article. I'll tweet out the link to it as well too if you want to find it there. But um, just a couple of highlights. I had five wide receivers go in the first round. Um actually make that six, sorry. Uh, so I've got CeeDee Lamb in there. I've got Jerry Judy, of course, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson. I've got Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims, and sorry, seven, because I still can't count. Um, I've got Jalen Ragor out of TCU in there as well, too. So big run on the wide receivers early. Just to talk about the quarterbacks, I had Tua dropping to the Raiders. Um, I had Jordan Love going to the New Orleans Saints, sitting behind Breeze for one more season. Um, I think 
as much as I want him to fall out of the first round and onto the Colts' lap at pick 34 because the Colts really do love Jordan Love and there might be a chance they try and trade back into the first round to select him, I don't think that is the case now. Um, I think after trading away the 13th pick, they have moved on uh, from the idea of selecting a quarterback early on in this class. So uh, Jordan Love to the Saints makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, 2017, they were one pick away from drafting Patrick Mahomes. Sean Payton has come out and said that if he was available at pick 11, instead of, of course, taking uh, Marshawn Lattimore, it would have been Patrick Mahomes if the Chiefs had not traded up to pick 10 to take him. So uh, I think Jordan Love, when you take a look at his tools and upside, it's a lot of raw kind of what you saw out of Patrick Mahomes coming. Now, I don't believe the talent is there. And for, as someone who uh, spoke so highly of Mahomes, I do not think Love is in that class. I think he has a very high ceiling and has a lot of the tools of Patrick Mahomes, uh, but does need some work. I think getting him with Sean Payton, getting him with Drew Brees is going to be tremendous for his career. And I don't think New Orleans would skip a beat if you let Brees play out this season or even one more and then let Love slide right in. I think it'd be another decade of success for the Saints. Um, and just taking a look at, you know, one last thing we'll hit on is where I've got the, uh, actually, sorry, two final things that we'll hit on uh, where I've got some of the other quarterbacks going. So um, I ended up having Jalen Hurts actually be the quarterback that went to the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I had that going in the third round. I think the value at that point when you can get a guy that kind of resembles what you get out of Tyrod Taylor, that mobile quarterback, uh, not a ton of injury concerns and not real, you know, craving for him to be the number one, you know, so they can move forward with Tua. So I have him going there. Um, and then let me find the other quarterback I had, <coughs> excuse me, in my top three rounds. And that was Jacob Eason going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he gave him the backup role to Brady, kind of a situation where you let him, you know, learn from Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, like with uh, Jordan Love, Drew Brees, and Sean Payton. Eason, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I don't think there's any way that he goes outside of the top three rounds, um, but he's that big quarterback uh, with the arm that you like. Bruce Arians would love him as a prospect. You know, you think of guys that he's worked with in his past. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, and like you said, you give him two years behind Brady to learn from all of these guys, and then you just give him a layup with all of the offensive talent that they'll have left over when he's gone. Just makes the most sense to me. So that's the quarterbacks that I have going in the first three rounds. Um, I didn't end up having a Jake Fromm in there. I'd say he's an early day three guy, and if I just had to pick a place, I'd say Atlanta. Matt Ryan is old. He's a Georgia guy. I do not like Jake Fromm as a prospect, but I think that they'll probably give him a day three shot and say, okay, you know, try and fight for that backup position. Um, but that's that's my takes on the quarterback. So, you know, you take a look. You've got Burrow to the Bengals, Herbert to the Dolphins. You've got Tua to the Raiders, Jordan Love to the Saints, Jalen Hurts to the Chargers, and then uh, Jacob Eason going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So now onto the last thing that I wanted to talk about before we wrap up here is I just wanted to give my insight on kind of the position classes as themselves. Um, I, I've kind of established my top 100 prospects, and I think, you know, I, I try to attach some round value to it. 
Um, but I wanted to go through my you know favorite position classes where it's the deepest, and then I want to talk about my least favorite. So let's end on a good note. I'll talk about my least favorite uh, position classes, and then we'll finish off with with some of the ones that I think you've got some great value in. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a good combo of elite talent in the first round, and then great value in days two and three. So my least favorite position class, and I had two names in my top uh, 106, 110 right here. Only two. Uh, that is the tight end class. This is a shit show here. Um, I've got Cole Komet is my tight end one uh, out of Notre Dame, and then Adam Trotman out of Dayton as my tight end two. Um, and I think the drop off after there is sixth or fourth through sixth round talents to, you know, of course, seventh and undrafted free agents. Cole, I have graded as a third round talent. I think he goes higher. I think he goes probably in the second round. Right now I had him slated, I think it was around pick 60 to the Packers. I think they need some tight end help. And then Trotman, I had in the third round. And just to make sure that I tell you this correctly, I had him going to the Atlanta Falcons, a team that lost Austin Hooper this year. Um, I may be looking for some help with the position. But I had both of those guys going extremely late. And the only two tight ends I had in the top 106 uh, and, of course, in the top 110 of all my players that I kind of evaluated over the last two months now. So really not a fan of the tight end class. A little worried because I saw in the, the kind of the virtual invites that Thaddeus Moss received an invite. Um, not sure if, if that's because the NFL knows a team is going to take him early. To me, that is a mid-day three type prospect. Um, I just, I, I don't see a whole lot there. I think more so just a product of an electric LSU offense. I don't think that you can have a team where quarterback, running back, offensive line, wide receiver, uh, edge, safety, all those positions are great. Uh, let's, let's stay away from the defense. Talking about offense specifically. Quarterback, running back, uh, offensive line, wide receivers, tight ends, and all of them, you know, project into the NFL. I think most of them will, but the one guy I'm not totally sold on is Thaddeus Moss. I think maybe just a product of a lot of open, um, you know, some open uh, targets because he was, you know, the defense was focused on far more important things. So, um, so I've got two tight ends in my top 110 prospects. Uh, the other that I have a little um, a week on the offensive side, and then we'll switch to the defense, is the interior offensive line class. Not as bad as the tight ends. I have seven uh, in, in my top 110. Um, and, you know, in no particular order, I've got Cesar Ruiz. I've got Robert Hunt, John Simpson, Damian Lewis, Lloyd Cushenberry, Jonah Jackson, and Shane Lemieux. Um, my top is Cesar Ruiz. I had him going in the first round, actually. He is the one interior first-round talent that I had um, going to the Minnesota Vikings uh, with one of their first-round picks. Uh, the other that I had early on in the second round um, was, was Cushenberry. I had him actually going to Cincinnati uh, with Joe Burrow. Um, but, you know, outside of that, the next interior offensive lineman was pick 50. I had Jonah Jackson going to the Bears. Robert Hunt uh, from Louisiana landing with the Rams. But 
Um, I think once you get outside of those top seven, I don't think there's a whole lot to be had there. And only one of those guys I really have is a first-round talent. Most of those guys are round two, fringe round two, and then round three talents. So not big on the tight end class, not big on the interior offensive line class. And then on the defensive side of things, the safety class has a lot of guys that are like sneaky, good value day three. But as a whole, I'm just not a fan. Um, I just counting off right what I've got in front of me. I've got eight safeties um, in my top 110 in no particular order. Uh, that's Xavier McKinney out of Alabama. You've got Jeremy Chin. You've got Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Rhine, a great story, Division II guy. Uh, Grant Del Pitt from LSU, Ashton Davis, Antoine Winfield Jr., Terrell Burgess, and Kavon Wallace. Um, the highest safety I had taken was at the very end of the first round by the 49ers at pick 31. I had Antoine Winfield Jr. going there. I had a few guys going early in the second round. Uh, Grant Del Pitt, I had the hard hitter land with the Chicago Bears in that physical defense there. I think he'd be a good fit. I have Xavier McKinney at pick 47 to the Falcons. Um, and then after that, I had Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois landing with the Dolphins. Now, I think the best value here is Kyle Duggar. Um, I think that he's you know one of those guys that probably falls a little bit too late just because of the Division II. What talent did he really play against? Uh, I had him land in the beginning of the third round with the Redskins' first pick of the draft. So... Um, a fun fit there. Um, you know, I think you could get a little lucky with a guy like Duggar, Chin, or Davis. Um, let me see where I had Ashton Davis going just so I can tell you while we're on here. Um, or did I already miss it? I don't want to take up too much time. Oh, I had him going right at the beginning of the third round to the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so I think Davis and Duggar, I think, are two sneaky values if you're going, you know, third round guys. Um, I think teams will probably reach on McKinney. I think they'll reach on Delpit. Antoine is the one guy I gave that first round grade to. Um, he's my number one safety in the class. So that's the three position groups I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, tight ends, I think it's a crapshoot. Interior offensive line, not a ton of quality guys. And then safeties, I've got one first-round grade out there and a bunch of round twos and threes, um, and only eight in my top 110. Now to my favorites. Um, you know, I'll just go through these a little bit quick. Uh, you know, the wide receiver class, how could it not be everyone's favorite in this? I have CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, Denzel Mims, Jalen Ragor, LaVisca Chenault, KJ Hamler, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, Devin Duvernay, Brian Edwards, and Van Jefferson. That is 14 receivers uh, making the list in my top 110. Seven of those guys landing in my first round. Um, I think great value can be found with a guy like Devin Duvernay. I have going in the late third round to the Los Angeles Rams. I think he makes a ton of sense there uh, with Brandon Cooks gone. I think getting a guy like KJ Hamler out of Penn State is really fun. And I'm not even talking about guys like Chase Claypool, who I still had going, 
you know, in my top three rounds or KJ Hill going in there, you know, I have some guys without round three, you know, top three round grades landing in this mock draft. Um, but this, this class is so deep. Some of these guys are going to sneak in there. So big fan of the receiver class. How could you not be? I think it is extremely deep. Um, I don't think, you know, if you're taking a receiver in the first round that you're necessarily reaching and not appreciating the value on day two or three, but because I do believe there's a top, a clear top four and then a bit of a drop off. And then, of course, you know, some after the top seven. But I, I, it's a great class, and, and I think we're going to get a lot of talented uh, studs coming out of this. And then, of course, offensively, you know, along with the receivers, just as deep as the offensive tackle class. I'll just run through the names that landed in my top 110. Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Mackay Becton, Andrew Thomas, Lucas Niang, Matthew Pert, Austin Jackson, Ezra Cleveland, Josh Jones, Ben Barked, Isaiah Wilson, and then Prince... Tega, let me try and not botch this. Let me make sure. Prince Tega Wanagu, Wanogu uh, from Auburn. So um, I didn't even count while I was doing that. That's 12 tackles. So between the tackles and the wide receivers, I had 26. So almost a quarter of my entire top 110 coming at those two positions. Um, so... I think there's a, a, a ton of great guys there. Um, and then uh, just to give you my favorite defensively, you know, man, I guess it really is the corner class. I love I love what you can get in rounds two and three in the middle of the defense with D-tackle. I think, you know, uh, just to list off some names, because I know I've already talked about Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw, but you get Ross Bladlock. Neville Gallimore, Devon Hamilton, Raekwon Davis, Marlon Davidson, Jordan Elliott. Those are good guys to get on day two or maybe even early day three. But really my favorite uh, position group on the defensive side is the corners. You know, you've got Jeff Okuda, CJ Henderson that I've already talked about. Guys that could go in the first round also include um, AJ Terrell. I'm not the biggest fan, but it seems like he's going first round. Jalen Johnson, Christian Fulton. Uh, Jeff Gladney, Trayvon Diggs, Damon Arnett, Cameron Dantzler, Bryce Hall is a good slot corner that you could get third round, I think, Amik Robertson, um, and that's, you know, with me not wanting to botch his last name, so I haven't said it yet, but Noah Igbenogene, try that again, <laughs> corner out of Auburn, um, I think there's there's some pretty good depth there for days two and three, and then a clear four or five that should go in the first round, so... I just wanted to give you all that, um, you know, my favorite and least favorite position groups before it goes out there. I've listed some of my favorite names, um, and maybe I'll put that up there on the website as well, too, just to show you how I have everything graded out, or you can find it, you know, maybe tweet it out um, within the next two days just to put that all out. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of, you know, my two months' work of of draft evaluation in 55 and a half minutes. Um, I know it's trying to force feed a lot in there because we haven't done a ton of podcasts and maybe I'll even try and get one out uh, on, you know, draft day. I'll certainly have one out after the first round to give you some of my biggest takeaways. But all in all, look, we don't have sports going on right now. You know, we got the Michael Jordan documentary coming in this past weekend. Um, you know, the NFL draft is, is all I've been looking forward to in the world of sports since we've been dealing with this, um, you know, international pandemic. So, um, I'm extremely excited. 
I'm extremely uh, excited to hear how awful you think my mock is, what stuff you agree with. So make sure to, to tweet at me and let me know all of your thoughts. Um, and like I said, we'll follow through the draft. And hopefully, you know, when we've got a good concept of what's going on in the world, we'll be able to settle back in, get ready for training camp, get ready for um, the 2020 football season. But it all starts here. It all starts with the NFL draft. I'm excited to watch it with you all. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning back in. Um, I, I appreciate you sticking through maybe the month or so that we didn't have any content uh, pulling through for me. Um, and then hopefully we can get to a more um, static or more constant schedule. So make sure to follow me over on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace for all of my content following the draft, the NFL, college football, um, tweets about, you know, um, dumb shit that I think randomly and decide to make, you know, a good tweet. Um, make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. Recommend it to a friend. I appreciate all the support you guys give me about this show. And um, and yeah, make sure to check out content. I'm going to start putting more out on BlakePace.net. Um, my, that's just going to be kind of where I put all of, of my stuff moving forward. Um, just with a bunch of different sites. I want it all in one central location. So that website is out there now to uh, check out as well too. So um, thank you for listening to Quick Hits. I'm Blake Pace, and I will talk to you all soon.